Hello and welcome to Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host? I'm Marianne, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. Welcome back to the second part of the Moi Ho Man episode. In today's episode, we'll conclude the conversation with my guest Mark and his experiences with this creature. Then I'll discuss briefly anomalous big cat sightings in New Zealand, and there have been very many of these, which continue to this day. Actually, it was sightings reported in the New Zealand media in the past couple of months of this huge cat that was actually the reason these New Zealand episodes were created to begin with. Plus, I'll briefly mention a couple of other lesser-known New Zealand cryptids. So, this episode will be a little bit longer than normal. Without further ado, let's begin. You mentioned, Mark, that you would like to spend some time on Mount Moiho. Yes, um, I actually would like to spend some time on the mountain. Um, it's um, Mount Mahoy there is over on the north eastern side of New Zealand. It's a beautiful, a beautiful mountain range. Uh, you can go and fish, get a snapper off the beach there. It's, uh, it's very pristine, uh, very picturesque. There's also um, uh, um, the mountain range has its own um, uh, biodiversity up there. There's the uh, archer tree frog and there's the species up there that are not found anywhere else in the world oh. uh, there's also uh, it's also has a, a sacred aspect to it where some of the maori have, have, have um, carried their dead up this uh, some 3,000 foot close to i think about 900 meter mountain um, this is the highest peak in the area so you can see it on a clear day from auckland and uh, but uh, this is um, you know where the thing where they're supposed to be. Um, if you go into the history, uh, you know back to like the 1890s, 1880s, uh, they had all the gold prospecting that took place out there, and the Maori they warned the prospectors about going out at night time, and um, that these things were carnivorous. They would uh, could easily take down a warrior. Um, there was reports of, uh, like, I believe it was 1880, there was a, a headless prospector found that had been mauled. Um, and, uh, you know, it's anyone's guess, it's speculation as to what did it. Uh, we know that wild pigs can do that to people. I, I spoke to a lady who was friend died from getting attacked by a wild pig. I've actually seen them in the area where I go to. I carry a machete with me and I just, you know, when you're by yourself, you've got to be prepared. For anything to go wrong or you know but we're pretty safe generally in New Zealand at least from animals yeah safe from animals no snakes here in New Zealand yeah that's a great thing I, I like in America I always had to think about that and especially around summertime so how has your work been accepted generally what sort of feedback are you getting from the general public openly it's pretty hush hush um I look I've had people say f family members don't you go into the subject. Uh, like, I, it's it's caused a stir. I, some of my family have seen ghosts and UFOs, though. <laughs> but uh, this subject, look, I had no idea there was Bigfoot here in New Zealand. You know, and now I want answers. And how does it connect to us? Are they related to us? You know, you look at footprints. Uh, you're often described as being apes. You look at their footprints. Now, that's not an ape footprint. You don't see an opposing thumb. It's it, instead it's it's a footprint that's got a uh, it has got a minimal arch to it, very minimal, a lot more sturdier than a 
than a Homo sapiens print. So, you know, what are they? You know, who are they? And I, I believe they are very highly intelligent people um, that are on the edge of our dimension. I don't know about other beings, uh, other ape-like beings around the world, the Yowie and um, the Yuren in China, the Sasquatch in North America. I, you know, could there be ones that are more flesh and blood? I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand and I'm trying to answer it, but I have been getting interaction. But I think, see, a lot of researchers, well, I say a lot. I say you've got to treat them with respect because they're highly empathic. Mm -hmm. They can pick up if you're there to do them harm, mm -hmm. they'll pick that up off you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and because I, I, I go with a lot of respect, I don't treat them like a science. I mean, yes, I do. I do do prints and that, but it's for my own sanity. It helps me to say, Hey, look, I'm, I don't have psychosis. You know, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to be very level headed doing this. Yeah. I mean, look, even uh, Sir Edmund Hillary went out, I think it was 1960. He went looking for evidence of the Yeti in the Himalayas. He had come back with, I think, um, some sort of skull cap or so. I forget what it was. But um, And there was another man um, over uh, from Australia um, that had come over, a cryptozoologist. He found uh, Prince as well, uh, author. I'm trying, trying to, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, and then there was another man um, by the name of Gary O. Oh, I forget his last name, but um, he's a uh, zoologist and he uh, goes into the Australian wild. He has to know every single sound of the creatures out there and be able to identify them. Well, he has said that there's stuff that he's heard out there that is not known to man or science, general science. It's not known. So he wrote the world's first cryptozoological paper on the Yowie and presented it, uh, was published in um, one of the uh, scientific um, uh, journals over there. So it was quite interesting from here from this man oh, about a month ago. But there are various people that come forward. I mean, I've got people who work for the government. I've had hunters. I've had people who are skeptics. Uh, you know, I've had people that were believers as well. I had a variety of people that have contacted me with with their accounts so these are not just things that happened back in the 70s or the 60s or around the 1900s this this is the stuff going on today could you share a couple of experiences you've heard perhaps if you're comfortable doing that yeah i had one man when i first started doing my research people found me through my youtube videos uh, i just started recording and, and putting stuff up so i get people a lot of people through that way will contact me in fact probably uh, you know, probably 80% of the people I get is through through the YouTube. Um, there was one man that contacted me. He works for a department in the government and he has found footprints. He has found structures like like what I have uh, over in a certain area in the Coromandel. Um, so he approached me and I had uh, gotten with him and uh, talked with him. He'd seen what I'm doing and he, he had found some very similar things. I don't know that he had had the bipedal approaches and the wood knocks, but when you get all that other stuff together, it's crazy. But uh, uh, I had a hunter that contacted me. I'm going, um, I think he was doing possum hunting in the middle of the night. He had a shotgun on, a, I think it was on a berm. He's waiting there. Here's these footsteps uh, on the stone driveway. And, uh, he turned on the flashlight all of a sudden to spotlight whatever it was to, to shoot. And he said there was nothing there. He could see nothing. And he was very taken back. And when, when I talked about some of the bipedal approaches, I couldn't see what was approaching me. And he sort of identified with that. Um, um, other people are just um, like the skeptic that cl climbed uh, uh, Mount Mahoy in the seventies, along with two travel companions um that slapped up there he said to me look i don't want any mention of my name no reference to me i reminded my companions of what happened those decades back and he said they didn't want to be reminded it terrified them and he said i tried to identify that howl with all kinds of creatures and i could not identify it wow that's pretty fascinating isn't it yeah it's pretty fascinating yeah I've always felt that myth and legend start from a basis of reality. There's always something that's the kernel that creates them, you know, like with the Tanifa. 
There's a possibility that at least one of the versions of the Tanifa, the C version, could in fact be a Mosasaur. And I believe that, and I know from personal experience that there are far more things in this world than are currently known of. Yes, well, they're finding new species all the time, especially when they do their uh, their deep sea dives, going to uh, like you know the bot these trenches at the bottom of the sea, you know miles under the water. They're finding a lot of new species. Uh, they create their own light, and you know very very you know very interesting, you know. And it's the mm. same with insects and birds, and um, you know it's a wonder the world we live in. There's so many life forms. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the other day that you were approached by a production company, was it, to do a documentary spot with them? I had a uh, producer from the UK that does an international TV show. Uh, they were wanting me to take them out uh, Bigfoot hunting. Uh, I don't really like the word hunting, uh, investigating. Hunting yeah. makes it sound like you're going there. With the, I, I, I don't do that. But um, I, I kind of I backed out. Um, I was going to take them to right by the mountain where, this, where all this happens. Um, there's actually a place you can camp. There's a Department of Conservation camp where you can rent pretty cheap. You set up your tent and you can go up by that mountain there where all the history is. I wanted to take them there, but the uh, producer said, no, no, he, he will never go camping. Um, you know. Um, it was, well, he was an older fella, but, you know, I, uh, I, I backed out of it, but, um, you know, yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you can get on, you get your face on TV if you want to, or, you know, but it can be hard for uh, your production companies to come in and get footage. Uh, like, like, for example, when I was over by doing my Skinwalker Ranch stuff, I had uh, production contact uh, company contact me over there as well, seeking the contacts that I had over there with the uh, Ute people, um, the tribe. And um, look, I tell you, they, they put out a, a movie, um, a documentary after mine on Skinwalker Ranch. They were not able to capture any of the phenomena. However, I did. I, mine was kind of a low budget, a very rough and ready, but I captured some of these. I captured these, these light anomalies and the strange Bigfoot-like call and the rock hitting by us and these, these electronic voice phenomena as well. And so I feel like I've got a good feel and that this, that they're attracted to me because I am, you know, I'm respectful to them and look, I want to know the truth. And um, it, it also, I think I want to find, so it, it gives me some kind of answers to things I've had happen in my life too, uh, growing up, some of the very strange stuff that happened. Right, right. That's so awesome. So where do you go from here? You're trying to get funding raised to be able to create the, to be able to create this documentary. Do you have a production team organized to help you? You mentioned you had a cameraman lined up. Yes, well, I just gave uh, gave him some warning. I said, look, this whatever you may see with me may change your understanding of reality. And so when I actually went looking for a cameraman, I made, I put that up straight front. I said, I need someone fit because going into these areas, you need a little bit of climbing ability right. and see even me with my back stuff is, is a challenge. But yes, I, like I, I, I warned and said, look, this could, this could kind of freak you out if something, I mean, I can't guarantee something will happen with the camera rolling, but with me, it has happened. So it could happen and uh, just be prepared for that. And so I, so this man that I found, he's he has a deep interest in the subject matter. And so uh, also there's a researcher by the name of Darren Whitlock. Um, he, he wants to, uh, he would like to go with me to buy Mount Mahoy there where I captured those, uh, those anomalies. Um, um, so he would like, I'll, show them that uh, if we can work something out so so yeah I'm, I'm kind of getting together with people um, a lot of what I've been doing has been solo which is kind of hard because uh, it's good in one way you know you keep it very private no one can come and hoax you mm -hmm. but then what happens if an emergency happens you have no cell reception yeah. um, it's good to have someone there who can hear something as well you I record and go out there I, I want to capture whatever's going on uh, I get a lot of audio stuff um, some of the chant, oh, look, I pick up chanting. I pick up the really super bizarre stuff. Uh, look, this is 
this is wild. And uh, I feel like I've hit ground zero for a spot with activity. So I've kept it very secret on purpose because there are aspects uh, to getting out there that it's challenging to get out to, but also I don't want to lose access to that area. Um, it's a great research area. It's a great tool for this kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I totally understand that. And I'm really excited for you. I think that what you're doing is really awesome. And I can't wait to see what you're able to capture. And gosh, I would be as keen as to be part of your investigation party and do whatever I could in this area because I'm absolutely fascinated. And I agree with you. I agree with what you're doing. And I think it's just the need to know, isn't it? It's just the need to know. I mean, you've had you, you've had your experiences with the very strange things, eh? And you yes. can run, you can you can run from it, or you can approach it with a sense of maturity and open mindedness. Wherever that path leads, you know, the truth might be disturbing. You know, look, I'll be honest. I've come across some very bad stuff. Uh, look, I've been attacked by entities. Uh, some of them have, some of them are very powerful. Mm. So. So I'm pretty brave with going out. Um, I did work with a psychic medium when I was in America, helping people with very bad hauntings and that. And so um, I've been exposed to all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and look, it makes it sound you sound you sound crazy talking about this stuff, but when you've had something happen, you've got to wonder about quantum physics and other dimensions around us. You know, you've got to start you know opening your mind to stuff. I love quantum physics. I love it. It's absolutely fascinating. And it just raises more questions, questions and questions. And then, of course, you get into the holographic reality question. And when you look at that, then some of these other things, you know, don't, well, they seem like they might fit in a bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I know, um, you know, uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée, um, uh, who's been uh, a famous UFO researcher, uh, look, I know he studied this phenomenon for a long time, like the UFO aspect, but even he admitted, look, there seems to be some sort of psychic aspect to this that may be trying to connect to us on an individual layer, maybe some kind of conscious aspect to it, you know? I mean, all, there's a very nuts and bolts aspect, but there also seems to be a possible spiritual aspect to it as well. Look, as I'm doing this Bigfoot stuff, look, I, I am exploring what they call the woo or the supernatural aspect that is not, it's, it's, it's not so popular to a lot of the people that are straight flesh and bloodies. But look, a lot of the people, once you start getting into this and, and do field investigations, you actually go out into the field, you go where they supposedly are. Some of them are finding these prints just stop and disappear. Some of them are actually having visual contact and that they're just disappearing. Right. Is it, is it just because they're so good at camouflaging? Mm. Is it, do they jump up a tree? Mm. Uh, are they actually changing into another You know, I'd love to know. But see, when I did my study on Skinwalker Ranch, a lot of what, what took place there is making sense of what I'm experiencing now. Right. It, it seems to meld together. Right more at least to me it seems to yeah you know I totally get what you're saying and I've always been of the opinion that that I don't know about all instances but certainly some instances I've heard of particularly in the early days there was uh, an awesome radio show host by the name of Art Bell oh yes he's the king the king of talk back yes uh, he's my radio hero I loved his subjects and I remember on a a couple of occasions he did shows about covering the Bigfoot. Several of the guests that he had on at different times mentioned that they felt that these beings were interdimensional because of the way they can appear and disappear just like that. Like we, 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 we never get a body. We, yeah. we get we get trace evidence, uh, supposedly yeah. scat and, and supposedly hair samples, blood samples. Uh, I know there was Dr. Melba Ketchum who did the Sasquatch Genome Project as well. Uh, I've heard for and against uh, that, that's, that's, that study. Um, but interesting saying that, that the maternal side uh, DNA was human female. The male side is a unknown 
not not in the gene bank and the gene bank contains uh what millions of specimens dna samples so in that bank and so it's really interesting to hear that but um it might also fit into uh, some of the biblical aspects you know people um um talking about uh uh, the angels of God uh, interbreeding right. with the, 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 the daughters of men kind of thing and uh, that aspect, you know. Um, uh, I, I just keep an open mind um, and um, it's very interesting. It's absolutely fascinating and I'm right behind you. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what comes out of this. And I know it's probably a little ways down the track yet because it's a funding issue. So hopefully people can help support you. I'll put a link to your Give a Little page on the podcast website so my listeners, whoever would like to help out, they can make a donation towards the course. And I'm really happy to do that for you because I'm fascinated. And Thank you. No, you know, really, I'm, I genuinely mean that. I'm absolutely fascinated by this, and I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. I'm a bit jealous, actually. I'm a bit jealous that you can do this because it's something that I would love to do myself. But, you know, different areas, eh? We all have different areas that we are drawn to at this point in time. You know, the question I have, Marianne, is why... Why me? Why did I have this stuff happen to me back in New Zealand? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to that recording from that paranormal investigation, accept the Bigfoot people, big people, repeated, and then all the stuff that happened out in the wild. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was asking myself, why? Why they could have just stayed back and stayed hidden, mm-hmm. and I would have just gone on my merry way. But uh, uh, look, I, through ITC, my research, it says they basically said they wanted friendship with me. That's all. Mm. It's as simple as that. <laughs> and then I had some, I've had some other things as well related to the woo aspect of um, Bigfoot. Right. Um, yeah. Come some very strange things, um, including having my life saved and um, some very, some very bizarre stuff. I, I mean, I've gone down the rabbit hole on this whole subject. Do you want to, share that experience with us it sounds interesting well we've talked about you know like there there's a possible interdimensional aspect to them well I, i'm very firm quite firm on that i had a problem with um like what i said i've had health issues well i do have a titanium plate in my effusion in my spine uh, so i've had a lot of pain issues in that and um spine issues uh, i had a problem with the medication um two pain medications very powerful nearly killed me i thought i was having a heart attack one, one of the medications sent me to paranoia so i also have to consider what happened to me was i hallucinating well i was having heart problems and i had saw this shadow like creature came running up to me shoved, shoved something into my heart area now the, the ambulance people told me afterwards i we don't know how you're still alive so put in that with what happened. And they also had told me through my ITC research that, yes, we've saved your life. Uh, we helped you. And basically the messages of love too. But uh, look, I'm trying to understand what all this means. What does it mean for you and me? What does it mean for humanity too? You know, Is it something really to be feared? I mean, could there be ones that uh, take people, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as the Maori thought and, um, we're, we're violent. There are some people that I've talked to that have said they've had violent encounters with them. Now, I know that they can move incredibly fast. We could not outrun them. If yeah. you see them in the bush, there's just no way you could get away. If they wanted you dead, you would be dead. Right. And there they have immense strength um, and speed and goodness knows what, what other abilities. Look, I had somebody from the Australian Defence Force contact me and uh, I'd just like to read a quote to you, if you don't mind. Sure. No, go ahead. If I can uh, just see if I can find it here. You know, it's like when you're doing research, you have all these notes around you and <laughs> you want to. It's a good thing you can't see my desk. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, all, it's all part of, uh, you know, uh, history. Uh, this is what he said to me. Let's make something abundantly clear. The SAS or Special Air Service and members of the wider ADF, Australian Defence Force, know about the Yowie. The Yowie is the Australian version of the Bigfoot. 
we have had encounters and training and on exercises. Now, he then went on to say, this guy was messing with you. That was in regard to, I had someone that was a supposed SAS soldier that contacted me, kind of mocking me, saying, oh, come on, these things, I've never seen anything like that. Well, I've got somebody from the Australian military that has contacted me and says that they're all, they're quite well aware of them over there in the wilderness. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That tends to lead us down conspiracy paths somewhat, doesn't it? And I don't want to go there because that's a whole nother episode in itself. Yes. Government conspiracies. But I do agree with you. That's all I'll say on that. But yeah, very, very interesting. Is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners about what you've learned or what might be useful for them to know if they ever come into a situation where they maybe run into one of these? Well, um, they uh, uh, supposedly from different people have the ability to instill fear in you. If they want you out of their area, they have different ways. Uh, a certain person that works for another aspect of the government, which involves being in the, the wildlife lot, told me that he had been scared out of areas. Uh, something had come after him, pushed down a bunch of trees. Uh, uh, there's this um, aspect that they can uh, instill this fear. And you're going to know straight away, I'm not supposed to be in this area. They don't want me here. Right. Um, and they will, they will ski, they'll usher you out of the area. That's what I can say. I've had the opposite. Um, after these, these strange things happened, um, I, something else happened that I haven't told you about. This is the woo aspect. And I think people are going to say, oh, Mark's on something or whatever. Look, I was laying in bed one night. I couldn't sleep. I just lay there. Something came into the room that was bigger, had a lot of force to it, and tapped my head and gave me a date of January 13th, 2017. And I assumed, well, that was one of them telling me basically to go back out there. Well, when I went back out there, something very big ran past me in the bush, you know, uh, in a very steep area where it's very easy to slip. Uh, look, I found uh, pigs out there, uh, you know, the, the hoof marks. I found dead sheep. Uh, people, um, you know, as you do research into this, you realize this, there's people around the world that actually have relationships with them, with these mm-hmm. tribes. And I'm going to say there are people and mm-hmm. they're, they're probably way more intelligent than humans, than modern man. I mean, we like to think we're at the top of the ladder of awareness, but we aren't. I agree. I agree. I absolutely agree. And my personal feeling is that they, well, that the reason you've probably you're probably accepted is because they're very sensitive to energy. They pick up on energy and they're telepathic, I believe. Sure. Yeah, I have no doubt of that whatsoever. Yeah, so that's absolutely awesome, absolutely awesome. So let me see. I think you've covered some really, really awesome stuff. Well, it's it, you know what's really interesting, Marianne, is that, uh, look, uh, not only did have prospectors had experiences and tourists, but also the Maori themselves. I mean, they look long before the, the, the Europeans came here, they had experiences and they said that these beings would throw rocks at them. Now, what throws rocks? Well, we know, you know, research that that's a way that they get attention or scare people out. So it's right. interesting that that same thing is, you know, with the, the legends of the Maori too. Yes. That is very interesting. And of course, I started the episode talking about the Maori legends. I didn't even know until I was researching cryptids in New Zealand that we even had our own Bigfoot here. So that was a real learning experience for me. Although I do have to say there have been times when I've been out in the bush because quite often I used to bushwalk by myself because I just enjoy the... Well, it's safe in New Zealand to do that. Well, it used to be anyway. Not so safe these days, though, sadly. You know, you could... You could, you could. And like yourself, there were times when I felt like I was being observed. Yes. I never felt unwelcomed because I didn't go into any area with any intent other than respect. And like you said, respect is the key. Right, for sure. And intent is paramount as well. I always I always tell my members of my Walking the Shadowlands Facebook group that intent is everything. Mm. Yes, oh, for sure. 
it's it's that way with all these other beings, you know. Yeah, uh, you you give out respect and you get back respect, you know. And a lot of you know, unless it's something negative, there are negative things out there. But uh, uh, generally speaking, yes, I think respect goes a long way when you're doing this kind of thing. Yes, absolutely, I agree. And with regards to the ones that perhaps may eat the legends, where the Maori said that people might get eaten, it's possible. That's quite possible because, you know, it might be a different species or different, like, not everybody has good intentions and I'm sure it's the same in every spe- in any species. Yes, yes, there could be ones that just had a bad day yeah. or they get they get pissed off because someone's, you know, doing something in the area or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there could be some that you know, uh, might, uh, you know, there's like, I was contacted by some Aborigines over in Australia that had claimed to me, said that, look, they eat and take some of our people, the Yowies. Um, but then they went and retracted their comment later on. Oh, I don't know why, but, uh, it's interesting. Um, I guess you could ask the question, how many Bigfoot researchers go missing? That's a really good question. I haven't heard of any. Yeah, so I mean, we, we, you probably heard of the missing four one one, where people yeah. go missing in national parks. Yeah, uh, you know, and a lot of those areas, you know, there's a, a strong connection that those are Bigfoot areas where people go missing. Mm. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the Bigfoot people that are doing it, and there are other other beings reported too as well out there, not just the Bigfoot. So, correct. So, very interesting. Here's hoping that your documentary will be able to collect some evidence that people can look at and go, oh, wow. Well, they can um, There's they can listen to some of the audio, some of the audio that I've captured yeah. already. I've got wood knocks on the audio. I've got the voices. I've got them responding to me um, a number of ways. Uh, just that Sasquatch interaction video. If you listen through headphones, I mean, I wore a mic in my pocket because I was having problems with my GoPro sound. But I picked up these deep voices that were responding to me. Uh, and along with pulling the tree back, I couldn't see any birds. There's the footsteps. There's the tree knocks. There's the mimic. Uh, so I have got stuff like that already. If people, they can watch you know, for free uh, on my YouTube channel. Um, just have to look up those videos, but uh, I've already got some amazing stuff, and I have no doubt that um, yeah, yeah. that I'll that I'll. I mean, so I'm not in a rush. To, I'm not going to force this anyway. It's going to go in a very nice, flowing, natural manner. And I think you know when you have that air in your aura when you go and do this, it reflects to them, and they can communicate with you better, or they they could trust you better. You know. I agree. I agree. So I'm really looking forward to following you and seeing what happens, Mark. Maybe we can catch up some other time with, you know, progress. Yes. I think all my listeners would be quite interested in that. And by that stage, I might actually have a few more than I have now. So, yeah, that's really cool. I really enjoyed this chat, Mark. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, I know that you're really busy, and especially on such short notice. I was so excited to be able to talk with you, and it's been really wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on the show. Um, Thank you very much. I feel very strongly that you're going to get more evidence than you anticipate. Yeah, I I hope so. Look, what my goal is now is I'm trying to get a very good footprint. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found them where you can see the toes and everything, and they're a lot more structured. The the footprint's a lot more stronger bone structure than ours. So what I want to do is get a good print, and I want to go there. There's a news hub office. I want to go in there and see if they're interested in doing a promotional um, piece on what on my research and that so i've really got my fingers crossed but please if, if people are able to um that would be much appreciated uh i am doing this on the, on the skin of my teeth <laughs> i mean i have equipment from america when i was over there that i'm using for this anyway but um uh, you know it, it's not something that that pays well you know no you can't make a living off of kenya it's definitely a labor of love for sure for sure yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping that my listeners will get behind you and help you. Certainly, I'll do everything that I can within my limited range to make sure that you get, that you get, you know, at least my people know and the members of my Facebook group. 
Yeah, no, I really appreciate uh, any of that. And I mean, you've already donated and I really appreciate it very much. Well, I think this this if this subject affects all of us, whether we realize it or not, who, who we are as humans uh, and the spiritual aspect and that they can be, these beings can be involved in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes, look, I had a remote viewer contact me and she's had some very strange things start happening after she... She checked out an area. I tasked her to check out this particular area. Just earlier today, she contacted me, Mark, what, what's going on outside my home? You know, I'm not, there's uh, strange things starting to go on. So uh, I know they have abilities to do things. And um, so the best thing is not to panic and um, put on a smile. And, um, you know, most things are nice out there. Yes, there are some bad things, but. You know, I think if you if you have that love in your heart, I think it it blends well to your auric field and it kind of repels uh, the bad stuff. I agree. And one of the things I always put on my Instagram posts is love is all. Yeah. And really, I know that's an old hippie saying, and, you know, some people use it very tritely, but it's actually true. Love is what it's all about. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate your time. That was a very interesting conversation, and I hope I'm pretty sure that my listeners will find it interesting as well. Thanks, Marianne. Have a good one. reports of alien big cats, alien only in that they are encountered in countries and regions dramatically outside of their normal geographic ranges, such as the large black panthers consistently reported in Great Britain and even here in New Zealand. In April 18th, 2019, just a couple of months ago, there was a news story about a big cat sighting in the beautiful Mackenzie country of the South Island. Two days previously, a North Island couple, the Cooks, were travelling State Highway 8 through Burke's Pass. They had pulled over to photograph the golden trees near Sordon Station and had taken photos and video of the area before putting their camera back in their camper. They were sitting down having a cup of tea when they were stunned to spot the big cat. Kevin Cook described the sighting like this. We were sitting down outside having a cuppa later when we noticed it about 50 metres away. It was in the shadow at the start and slowly walked down the side hill and into the grass and bracken and didn't reappear. We really didn't want to go looking for it because we didn't know what it was. We thought it was a cow, a calf or a sheep. But it was walking like a cat and was probably the size of a Labrador dog. When it walked slowly down the hill, it walked like a cat. The tail, however, was definitely like a cat. They said when they got to Tekapo, they were able to Google it and found that there have been numerous sightings of big cats in the central South Island over many years. 
A couple of weeks later, on the 29th of April, the big cat, or one similar, was again in the news. This time it made our TV stations, along with a write-up on Television One's website. One Juliana Kavanagh, who lives in Picton in the South Island of New Zealand, and her partner Warren Lewis, were driving on State Highway 1, and it was just before midnight that this incident occurred. The following is what was said to and reported by the Seven Sharp reporter. If you follow the link on our website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, you can watch the interview for yourself. The road was very quiet, she said, and they were about 10 minutes south of Ward, travelling north at about 75 kilometres an hour, around a bend. We came around the corner and basically there it was, 10 to 15 feet in front of us, Mrs Kavanagh said. Miss Kavanagh said the creature bounded across the road very close in front of their car and showed up in their headlights. She described it as being much larger and longer than a domestic or feral cat and it was black or very dark brown in colour. It had a big cat head and it had a very sleek strong looking body and it had a huge long tail. She and Mr Lewis were shocked and checked with each other if they had both seen the same thing, a large black panther-like cat. For the first couple of minutes we just sort of looked at each other, Miss Kavanagh said. We couldn't quite believe what we'd seen. After the sighting, Miss Kavanagh called her father, who told her this thing's been seen before. She said it was so unbelievable they had considered not reporting it for fear of being ridiculed, but eventually decided such a creature could pose a danger to unwary trampers or animals in the area. Ms Kavanagh reported the sighting to the police on Saturday morning, as well as to the Ministry of Primary Industries, MPI. She said an MPI representative called her back and questioned her in depth about what she had seen. Ms Kavanagh said she was told by the representative that MPI had received six to eight similar reports in recent years. She said they are absolutely sure of what they saw and that they had not misidentified the creature. I grew up in Southland. Warren grew up in the bush. There's just no way in hell this was a feral cat, she said. These really caught my attention and reminded me of similar stories that I had heard over the years here in New Zealand. So I thought I would do some more research on these animals and thus this series of episodes began. Since the 1960s, started walkers and travellers have reported seeing large and generally but not always black cats from New Zealand locations such as Twizel, Cromwell, Banks Peninsula, Ashburton and Hakatere, mainly but not always in the South Island. Here's a few of them. 1966. The first reported sighting was when a woman was biking in the Twizel area when she came across what she described as a large black cat the size of a Labrador retriever and which resembled a black panther. The report did not get much attention from authorities who wrote it off as just a misidentification of a particularly large feral cat. The cat was seen at a distance of approximately 30 metres. 1977, a Christchurch woman rang police to say she'd seen a tiger outside her suburban Kayapoi home. The laughter from them died after a large paw prints and droppings were found at nearby Pines Beach the same week. The nearby zoo, Urana Wildlife Park, insisted all of its big cats were present and accounted for. 1977 again, a security guard was convinced he saw a lion in Mungari, South Auckland. 1980, reports of large cat sighting in Newlands in Wellington. 1994, a large cat was spotted in Tawa, Wellington. 1998, a sighting of a very large cat was made at the Dunstan Ranges near Cromwell. This time, it was described as not black, but rather with a dark orange coloration, similar to North American mountain lion. However, at the same time that this sighting occurred, people in the Matura region of the South Island began reporting sightings of an animal of that colouring but was similar in appearance to the North American bobcat or mountain lion. 1999 brought a whole slew of sightings. One came from a hiker in the Mackenzie country who saw a black feline similar in size to a large dog and another still in that same month came from a paddock near Umarama where a witness saw the same thing prowling about described as a black panther. This particular cat was apparently even photographed. 
One of these big cat sightings was referred to as the Moaraki mountain lion. This cat was seen by Canadian tourists sunning itself on rocks near Moaraki, south of Omaru. It was described as being distinctly mountain lion-like, something that these tourists were familiar with, having seen them in their native habitat back in their country. It was described as being about three metres long and golden-coloured. The cat, on being spotted, simply got up from the rocks and sauntered off out of view. Yet another mountain lion-like cat was seen in the Lindis Pass area this same year. It was hiding in the undergrowth and was photographed by some British tourists. It became known as the Lindis Lion. Large cats reported throughout the early 2000s as well and such accounts got so common that a team of investigators went in to see what was going on. But no evidence of the creature was to be found. It was seen in the bushside and the winter slow areas of the Ashford Forest many times over the 2000 era. It was also spotted in the Anima area, Mayfield area near Ashburton, with repeated sightings in the Fellington area near the stockyards of the PPCS Meatworks, Lake Clearwater and in Queenstown. In 2017, Nick Baggett, a British tourist, was walking around Lake Tekapo Peninsula when he and his partner Julie Wood spotted a large black cat. It was probably 100 metres to 150 metres away, so we weren't right up next to it, but it looked much bigger than a normal cat. I mean, we were looking at it to start with, going, what is that? We then realised it was very cat-like. To me, it was like the size of a small lamb, so I would say two to three times bigger than I would expect a cat to be. We could see it loping across in front of us, and I just got my camera out and pointed at it and got one shot. It wasn't racing, but it made off fairly quickly. I would say it saw us and didn't want to hang around where we were. There had been... Some talk about big cats in Twizel, which is where we were staying at the time. I was just amazed by it, to be honest. I've not seen anything quite like that. There's a copy of his photo on our website for those who are interested in having a look at it. There are so many sightings that there are simply too many to report singly. Are these cats simply escaped exotic pets? Given New Zealand quarantine laws, this is a highly unlikely scenario. Also, given the countless sightings of different types of these big cats, it seems that there must be a community of both the black panther type and the mountain lion type of cat thriving somewhere in the wilderness. Of course, it is entirely possible that some of these sightings could be passed off as feral cats, which can grow to a very large size, and eyewitness testimony can be very flawed. I guess unless one of these animals is actually captured or a really clear photo of them is obtained, we may never know. But I, for one, would be watching my back if I were bushwalking in any of these previously mentioned areas. Before I finish this episode, I want to briefly mention some other New Zealand cryptids, such as the Waitoriki. The Waitoriki is described as being an aquatic mammal, similar to a river otter or a beaver, which absolutely is something that is not native to our New Zealand islands. These creatures have reportedly been known of by our native Maori population for centuries, and in fact have been sighted by colonisers also since the 17th century. Captain James Cook reported seeing them in 1773 as he entered Pickersgall Harbour in the Dusky Sound region of the Fiordland National Park in the South Island while he was on board his ship the Resolution. In the 1840s there were sightings of this otter-like creature in Lake Hawera. Apparently this creature would build nests similar to the North American beaver and was also referred to by the local iwi or tribes as the kaoriki. Physically it was around the size of a cat with a bushy tail and was a very powerful swimmer. It was also said to lay eggs. Again, it was spotted in the 1860s on numerous occasions, with explorer Julius von Haast stating that he had heard reports of this elusive creature, but he never found any. He did, however, apparently find their distinctive web tracks along the Ashburton River. And it was said that he at one time had a pelt from one of these animals, although what happened to it is unknown. In the 1900s, there were numerous sightings in the Milford Track area and at Lake Teano. 
1968, four of these creatures were spotted by a hunter at the Stephen Byrne stream near the Fakir River. Even as late as 1971, one was spotted by a hunter in the Holyford River area who watched it for a period of about 15 minutes as it played in the water. Then of course we have our New Zealand mower, also called the taripo by the Māori, now said to be extinct. Although there have been the odd sightings reported over the years, and of course the elusive Haast eagle. But both of these are more well known of the New Zealand cryptids, so I'm not going to give them any further attention than that in these episodes. In this episode, we've covered a lot of ground with our New Zealand-based cryptids. But we are not yet finished with New Zealand cryptids, legends and folklore. Our very last episode of this series of New Zealand cryptids will be all about one of my very favourite subjects, and that is of the fairy folk. Turehu, Pakepakia, or Patupaerehe, names they are known about in the Māori language. I have some guests who have had personal experiences with these folk, and in one case a family who experienced them and were terrified by the encounter. I have saved this episode for last as it is one of my very favourite subjects so far as New Zealand legends and myths or personal beliefs and experiences go. Today's music is another traditional Māori waiata, Kote Fea. Again, I do not know the name of the singers, so please let me know if you recognise any of the voices. Any questions for me at any time, then feel free to email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com with suggestions for subjects you'd like me to cover or anything you'd like to share. And if I do not know of these subjects, then absolutely I'll research and learn as much as I can to share with you all. If you enjoyed these episodes, then please leave a positive rating and a written review on iTunes. Who knows, you may hear your review read out at the end of an episode, so keep writing. And of course, so you don't miss out on our next episode, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcasting platform. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe. Also, the more the merrier. And as always, I would love to hear your experiences or your thoughts. Please consider supporting this show on Patreon.com. You can check the link out on our website, check our Facebook page and our Instagram feed. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours, we'll see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. 